Welcome to Iodine Intelligence, Empowering Intelligent Care. Welcome to Iodine Intelligence, Empowering Intelligent Care. I'm your host, Lauren Hickey. Today, we're going to be discussing unlocking the power of concurrent. Concurrent is one of Iodine's main tools and can be one of the most disruptive when first being implemented. So in today's discussion, we're hoping to learn some tools and tricks for utilizing concurrent to its full potential. Joining me today is Justin Gerardo, Iodine's Client Services Operations Manager, and Diana O'Connor, Iodine's Clinical Product Consultant Manager. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having us. So let's just dive right in. Justin, for any of our listeners who aren't familiar, can you briefly describe what is concurrent? How does it work? Yeah. So concurrent is our primary or our flagship software, and it utilizes artificial intelligence and machine learning to prioritize patients concurrently while in-house. It uses, uh, at a high level, just a uh, different amount of uh, or misalignment of information between the clinical evidence that we're seeing supporting certain conditions and the actual expected documentation of those conditions and uses that difference to prioritize those cases. And so, Diana, what are some of the barriers that can prevent CDI programs from fully adopting concurrent or from not taking advantage of all of its features? Yeah, so CDI is, um, it's a, it's complex. There's uh, a lot of different um, workflow strategies that people use. And when we implement concurrent, it's more than just a technical implementation. We are um, taking into account different philosophies and workflows. And CDI often works with different departments. So we have to incorporate that into the implementation as well. So I feel like that's probably the biggest barrier is encompassing encompassing or taking into account the complexity of the CDI workflow and bringing that to the um, technical implementation. So Justin, sort of the first category of barriers that we're going to be covering occurs in the pre-review stage and includes auto assignment and quiet periods. Can you give us a brief description of those, what they are and what their significance is? Yeah, of course. So for let's start with auto assignment. Auto assignment is the way that concurrent distributes cases to CDSs for their review. We developed auto assignment uh, a number of years ago. It's one of the oldest features for concurrent specifically to address the problem that scope changes as a result of concurrent. Before concurrent, before prioritization, before using uh, artificial intelligence, a CDI team the most common way to distribute cases was by location or service line. And when you add prioritization into that mix, uh, things like balancing for caseloads get more difficult. Not every service line sees the same degree of complexity that other service lines do. And so as a result, what was previously a well-balanced workload can be a little more imbalanced. Things like med uh, service lines and sometimes even surgical service lines will see a higher rate of prioritization. And as such, uh, other service lines uh, would be under, would have less cases to review. So auto assignment, instead of using service line or location to distribute cases, actually just uses priority status, assigning out those cases that are the highest in the priority list first and then working their way down. This obviously can present some challenges to uh, CDI departments that are more uh, unit-based prior to this. 
The second item that you had mentioned was quiet periods. Quiet periods are settings that determine how much time a case must kind of incubate before it can be considered for auto assignment. Uh, this is a change from, for a lot of CDI departments who, again, being unit-based, are simply monitoring their unit and don't use always firm timelines to determine when a case can be up for review. So um, typically, a lot of CDI teams want to see, every, uh, see a case every two days at a minimum, where with prioritization, we typically set a 24-hour quiet period to start uh, so that a case has 24 hours to get the necessary information. Now, there are ways that we have created and features that we've created to kind of amend that and make that even more precise, but 24 hours is a pretty good beginning point. Uh, and then after a case has been reviewed, it also goes into a second quiet period for 12 hours that uh, makes sure that it doesn't immediately get reprioritized again. So then an issue that some programs can run into with quiet periods, Justin, is you're making sort of a general rule, wait 24 hours, and you're applying it to all cases with sort of by default. It's a one size fits all deal. And then, you know, I think most people know that one size fits all is not a real thing. There is never one size that fits all. And so you naturally end up with some cases where the quiet period is too short. And then a CDI gets a case and they're, it's too early really when they're reviewing it. Yeah, we generally suggest uh, once we have enough of an idea, hospitals can sometimes run uh, an analysis on what is their average length of stay and using that to guide what their quiet period should be. A lot of times 24 hours is aggressive for when a CDI might want to look at a case. They might see it at that 26 hour or that technically morning of day two stay. And so it can feel very early, but when we know that our average length of stay is three days, uh, then that really kind of puts uh, into perspective that looking at it on uh, that day two is really not that early. We don't have a ton of time to make an impact on these cases. And it's important to remember that prioritization is also playing into this. So it's not that every case is expected to be reviewed at 24 hours. It's that every case has is eligible to be reviewed at 24 hours. Prioritization still has a uh, has uh, is at play for those cases, and it might not prioritize on that uh, after that 24 hours. Right, and I think you sort. You know, you might have to sort of um, adjust your expectations of the quiet period is not trying to have the perfect amount of time for every single case. You're really just trying to have it be the appropriate amount of time in the majority of cases. Yeah, we typically call it the 80-20 rule. 80% of the cases are um, prioritizing the appropriate time or within the appropriate window. You will occasionally see a case that uh, for one reason or another, maybe the providers hasn't had an opportunity to document uh, a certain progress note or so on. But um, in general, the 80% of the cases that is an appropriate time time frame. Right. And so, Diana, Justin sort of touched on this earlier. Another growing pain can be auto assignment. And because it's distributing cases to CDS, not based on a service line, not based on a location, but based purely on prioritization, and that can be a real shift for CDS in some cases. 
It can. Some CDS program or some CDIs like to um, work in a specific service line or a unit. And um, that is something that um, we talk about moving away from that specialty and going to a more generalist approach. And there's a couple of reasons that, um, you know, we advocate for that in particularly if you think about like there's some service lines that are going to be more complex. So you're going to have um, cases that are more complex. If you want to evenly distribute the complex cases amongst the team, then distribute having everyone review those higher complexity um, cases makes sense. And it also helps when you um, have a vacation or uh, coverage so that if we take a generalist approach, you can still have someone who is kind of an expert in this particular specialty that you utilize as a resource, but having everyone able to cover and review those cases um, helps with an even distribution as well as um, it makes coverage a little bit, you know, a lot easier. So another sort of barrier that CDS can face is surrounding query hesitancy. I think a stat that I've heard is that even when iodine's um, artificial intelligence machine learning engine is 90% positive that a query is needed, CDS will still only query on average 36% of the time. So Diana, can you speak to some of the things that are fueling that sometimes? Yeah, I think that um, CDIs are are concerned about um, working with the physician. Some of the things I hear when I'm on site or working with different facilities is, um, the physician hasn't had a chance to round yet. Um, maybe if I give them another day, they'll um, they'll document. So there seems to be, um, uh, you know, people seem to wait. They want to wait and give the physician the opportunity. And um, one of the things that I think is important is we're looking for, you know, we're really looking for a, a complete intact medical record that's going to tell the story of the patient. And the sooner we get the documentation in, the the better that um, the details are woven through the story. And with denials coming up the way they are, um, you want continuity of them in the medical record is huge. So um, I think it's a shift to think of query, you know, getting away from querying as a penalty versus querying more as a prompt and, you know, calling out to the physician, hey, you know, this is what we're seeing and um, querying sooner. But that is that is something that we we see. And so, Justin, on the face of this, what Diana's talking about, that sort of seems reasonable. Oh, let me give the physician a chance to add this documentation on their own before I query them. But I suspect that there is a catch. And so what is the problem with just completing a review and sort of kicking the can down the road? When you start kicking the can down the road, which is a phrase I really like uh, to describe this, uh, it can really throw off that prioritization. So uh, completing a review and placing queries both impact prioritization. And when you do those things in a disjointed way, let's say maybe you complete your review uh, without querying on a specific condition, iodine continues to evaluate that case for that condition. And completing the review raises the bar for that. Uh, When you send a query, iodine will no longer consider that condition for prioritization. When you are uh, completing a review, it raises the expectation for iodine to see even greater gap before it will reprioritize. And if I were to make it an analogy for 
uh, what happens when you start manually chasing some of these things or following up when a case is in the light, low priority section. It's sort of like running on a treadmill. Uh, you can, prioritization is a pace. It sets a cadence for when review should happen based on the artificial intelligence. And if you try to run at a different pace than what your treadmill is set for, you're either going to inevitably need to uh, change the pace of your prioritization and then you find yourself moving and adjusting little things constantly, or you end up doing what I do often, which is just putting your hands on the side and kind of lifting yourself up for a brief minute to try and catch your breath or, or, or reset. And you're just never going to find yourself at a good spot with the the prioritization treadmill, as it were, uh, and kind of constantly fighting against it, uh, which doesn't then uh, result in good prioritization. So you're going to find yourself in a situation where cases that uh, you expect to prioritize at a certain time are sitting in the low priority section because the bar has been raised so much higher due to manual reviews uh, that uh, the chances of it prioritizing later on and more appropriately are, are just smaller and smaller. Right. And so, Diana, um, because iodine's concurrent is being powered by machine learning, the metrics that we track and we recommend teams track are a little different than some of the traditional ones, which can also present some challenges or some, you know, growing pains. So <clears throat> can you... Can you talk a little bit about the the metrics that we're tracking and and, and why? Yeah. So with iodine, um, our goal is to get the right case in front of the CDI at the right time. So we're um, providing them with an intuitive work list that is prioritized. So um, it the, the metrics are going to be a little bit different. One of the metrics that we look at is your priority review rate. So it's not, um, you know, we're not as concerned with how many initial and re-reviews a, a certain CDI is going to do on a given day or during a given week. It's more about how many high priority cases did you get to? Because um, if we're thinking about it, the artificial intelligence and through machine learning, we're um, putting cases in front of the CDI that have the highest probability of needing a review. So that's that becomes the new goal or the metric. Can you get to all, all of your high priority cases? So um, that's a, a little bit of a shift, part of the change management that um, takes place as we roll out iodine. And one of the things I think that's really cool is we have a um, very simple, easy to use and robust, robust reporting system so that you can pull up these metrics and see and measure your um, the CDI team and how they're, how they're functioning within iodine. And so finally, Justin, can you just talk a little bit about the importance of reassessing these things periodically? So we talked about quiet periods. We talked about auto assignment. Um, Diana mentioned all of this like tracking and reporting that we can do in introspect. So because healthcare is such an ever-changing field, it sort of makes sense that all of these settings can't necessarily be static and set it and forget it for forever as well. Yes, it can be very helpful to reassess uh, a lot of your iodine configurations, at least on an annual basis. Uh, things like uh, adding new uh, service lines, uh, things like uh, changing uh, or, or changing the size of your CDI team, all of those things can start to impact the way you interact with concurrent. And if you take the time to reevaluate 
especially with, you know, six months to a year's worth of data to back your new configuration decision, it can ensure that we're staying at um, tip top functionality, as it were, in terms of what you're seeing. And that's just on the, uh, on the organization side. Iodine itself, concurrent, is also changing and adding in new functionality. And so by setting kind of a calendar event to reevaluate those concurrent settings also ensures that new functionality that has been released is also being considered as a part of those configurations. Doing more in concurrent uh, and adopting other iodine platforms like Retrospect may also impact some of these, con these configurations and workflow expectations. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this month's episode. Hopefully our listeners learn some things, um, have some new you know, tricks up their sleeves. Um, Justin and Diana, thank you both again so much for joining me today and taking the time to talk to us. Thank Thanks. You. And then thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, make sure you're subscribed with Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. We'll be back next month with a new episode. And until then, I'm your host, Lauren Hickey. Thank you for listening. Thank you.